Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Not one music writer in a million years could have predicted that the Sarah Midori Perry who became the face of the bubblegum pop trio Caro Caro Benito in 2011 would be making ear-splitting digital hardcore in 2022. But in June, she debuted her new project Cryolot with a track called Hell Is Here, unveiling a whole new area code in her emotional range. Hell Is Here and the rest of the five songs on Cryolot's debut EP Icarus out tomorrow are deeply personal, detailing what Perry has referred to as the first time in her life she experienced sustained anxiety and depression. But Cryolot is not a solo endeavor. Joining Perry on her vision quest is Jennifer Walton, a DJ, drummer, and experimental producer whose devotion to all things extreme played a key role in the crafting of KKB's third record, Time and Place. If 2014's intro Benito was the blueprint to the group's Edenic digiverse, Time and Place brought the band crashing back into the meat space. And Cryolot's Icarus is a new vision of this post-lapsarian world. Mythology was one of the many topics on the table when Sarah and Jennifer spoke to the Faders' Raphael Hellfan at the start of their release week. They also discussed Minecraft concerts, Pampas Grass Angel Wings, the Fast and Furious franchise, and how Sarah learned to scream like Linkin Park's Chester Bennington. I was just talking to Sarah about how I talked to the whole band around uh, Time and Place, which I know that you had a pretty big hand in too, Jenny. I think that that album made a lot of people, at least like people who are paying attention, sort of reimagine KKB. Can you tell, tell, tell me a little bit about how, like, how you ended up joining forces to like create a new sound for that album? So yeah, I mean, me and Sarah, I was in the live band for Time and Place and uh, just spent so much time on the road and shared a hotel room every night. And I think just through kind of listening to the same music in the van and talking so much, we just kind of fused brains at a point. And then midway through tour, like Sarah kind of started talking about the idea of making music and making music together. And so we, when I got back, just started demoing stuff, sending things back and forth. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I was DJing a lot outside of that, like a lot of like hardcore and and more like gabbery kind of things, which I think Sarah's own like DJ stuff really resonated with. So I think that link of kind of like noise music and then also like extreme dance music stuff like really worked, like crossed that bridge almost, yeah. I'm wondering though, like even before all that, like initially, Jenny, what like drew you to KKB's sound in the first place? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I was kind of a fan of KKB before I ever started working with them just through mutual friends and stuff. It's that kind of extremity of like pop music and like pushing it to the nth degree that like I really resonated with from the start. And so, yeah, I mean like being able to get involved in like time and place stuff, which was that kind of like bridge to like more like, I don't wanna say like, yeah, like noisy uh, sides like worked really well. It, it was really nice. Like even before writing music with Jenny, we had this kind of like foundation of like, I guess like friendship or like, kind of like being on tour together, spending like all the time together and kind of we had that um, foundation before we even like went into the studio. So for me, like I the Cryolot project, like the music side, making music, I wanted to write personal songs, like way more personal. So I felt really comfortable when I got into the studio with Jenny and kind of like pouring my heart out. And like, <laughs> it felt like a really like nice thing to have that. 
before we went into the studio. Yeah, uh, Jenny, you said something interesting, which is that like something that maybe connected the two of you were uh, was like sort of the musical extremes, the harsher noise and like the really, really super bubblegum, like pure optimism. I guess like you're saying that you sort of like connected through them being like sort of like those extreme poles yeah 100 percent. i mean i like obviously like sonically they are like completely different but i think there is a huge link between the people that i think that, that are into kind of that more extreme pop stuff and into noise music at the same time it is about that kind of like pushing things to the nth degree and what i've always been really fascinated with is like what is that link between like how far can you put like push like pop sound design while still keeping it like commercial-ish and like keeping it digestible and so I think that is the kind of link right yeah I don't know I it is funny like because uh yeah like I mean the fan bases are always like interesting to see what their kind of like wider taste is outside of that but um yeah I mean like with Krylo it was really fun to just like kind of purposely play with that and like really kind of take like pop structure and like really like actively see how far we can kind of go Sarah, I know that you guys have done some stuff with like, like I watched the 100 Gex uh, Minecraft concert that you guys did over COVID. I'm wondering like who else you see sort of as like your contemporaries in that kind of in that kind of realm. I mean, it's it's really always really hard for me when I get asked questions like, oh, who's like in the same universe as you? I don't know. What do you think, Jenny? <laughs> I mean, there is like a super vibrant kind of like, I don't, SoundCloud scene almost with like Hamara and Umru, Clark, Kavari. It like there is like definitely a scene there of like ultra sound designy pop adjacent stuff. But I mean, it's tricky. I I mean like because a lot of the stuff I pull from is just like you know commercial pop cuts that are like super weird. And I think it's always really funny when people kind of draw this link about like pop being one thing and then like experimental music being another because like on the big albums of like most if not all like commercial pop stars there are really weird things going on that are like super exciting to me and i think it's pulling from that world as well as like yeah obviously the like uh post the soundcloud like world stuff if that makes sense we mentioning that uh like the Minecraft concert and some of like the stuff that you guys did during COVID, like peak COVID. How did you, like how did an event like that come about and like how like what was it like performing like on a digital stage like that? Yeah, it was definitely a new experience. Like we are uh, like I did a few with KKB. Um, it's up on YouTube. Like we did Minecraft and then Secret Sky SPF for twenty. It was really fun. Like to kind of try out like doing that kind of stuff it definitely doesn't be playing like a live gig but it was like fun to kind of like add like different clips of like something that's like related to the music it's kind of like me editing videos it's like more like like you can add stuff like on top of you like a video of you performing so that was really fun yeah and the funny thing with Minecraft, there was like too many people on the server or like something. I couldn't join the Minecraft gig. So, and I think Gus and Jamie were having a problem as well. So they had like a stage on Minecraft. And when it was KQB, like none of us was on stage. <laughs> so we physically couldn't make it to the Minecraft stage. So it was like, that was kind of funny. Like the fans were there, like trying to see, watch our show and they can hear the music, but they didn't actually see us. <laughs> It did some really funny things as well to just the music that was being played live because I did a couple of like kind of streaming show things and you end up with this like 
people were playing the most extreme music possibly imaginable because you don't have to dance. So everyone's just like sitting down and like watching or like just listening to stuff at home. So you end up with this like speed core, like 220 BPM, just like sheer kick drum, like music happening for so long because there's no like, you don't need a warm up, you don't need to dance. It's just like happening at you. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, like it did open like some really crazy doors to like different stuff. Moving forward to Cry A Lot, I guess like Sarah, up to this point, you'd pretty much, in terms of like releasing music, it pretty much been exclusively with KKB, right? Yeah, for sure. You talked about how like you're sort of throwing ideas back and forth in the tour bus for time and place, but like what made you like fully decide to like write, you know, a personal album for yourself? Yeah, I guess it's like linked to kind of how the Cry A Lot project started. It actually started from an Instagram account called Cry A Lot. And it was around, I think, 2018, like I was going through like this dark phase, a dark period in my life. And I just kind of started off by wanting to make a space for myself to kind of like express that. And uh, when I got to like naming the Instagram account, I was like, what, what do I name it? And I was crying a lot at that time. So I was like, OK, cry a lot. And it's kind of like my way of like, taking back control of like those moments and kind of hoping to like not just let those tears go to waste. I really wanted to do something creative off of it, but I still didn't know what. So I just made the Instagram account and I started posting stuff and then like hanging out with um, Jenny on tour and like listening to her solo stuff. And I was really drawn to kind of like this like, I don't know how to explain it like this like dark darkness she has in her like music and it just felt right um so that's when I was like oh I really want to make music uh, um and make it like a bit more personal yeah it just felt right to write with Jenny and just kind of like went from there yeah well we'll get back to some of the record's more personal themes but first I want to talk about just hell is here which feels like you know I mean it's in the middle of the album and it's came out first and it just feels like the centerpiece. I see an angel in my dream. They are sitting next to me. So I know I know this album is about the story of Icarus, but like this track and this video also like I think for me brought to mind like the story of Lucifer, who you know was an angel before he rebelled and, and banished to hell. So I'm wondering if like you you see overlap between those stories and if you like identify with that Lucifer character at all as well. Yeah, I, I guess like yeah, it is in a way. I never really thought of it like that, but it is quite Luciferish and like hellish. Like yeah, with that track from when I was writing it, that was the first. Like, because the uh, EP's not really about, the whole EP's not about, like, the dark period in my life. But that, I would say that song is about the dark period I was going through. It was the first one, song I wrote. It's a song about, like, defeat, like, like how, like, reality can, like, suddenly turn into hell. And you can't, you f that feeling, you can't get, get out of it. So I was kind of playing with that theme. And, like, looking back at it, it almost feels like some kind of, like, 
hellish diary entry from that time <laughs> in my life. So yeah, that that's um yeah what Hellasphere is about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean musically that track is so much fun. I'd like to hear a bit more about the process because it feels like it's almost like two songs woven together. I'm wondering like where like where the quiet part and the like the quieter part. And the really heavy part, uh, where they both like conceptualized at the same time. Um, and did you know that you wanted to have sort of both of those songs in one song? Or did one come first? Yeah, in terms of like lyrically, it's kind of like, you know, when you're like feeling horrible, like feeling bad, it's not like you always constantly feel like shit. It's like you're kind of like some moments you feel like you're out of it but then you suddenly go back in. So it's kind of like, I wanted to play with that feeling of like coming out of it, then going back in and it's kind of like a wave. So I wanted to kind of sound like like two different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sonically as well. Yeah, it was super intentional. Like there's a lot, there's a few things that happen that like were really like formulated to like feel like the rug was being pulled out of you and like having these kind of like two sonic universes it was a really fun song to write because it is fun to like truly play with like the physical space because it's so dense in the choruses it's just like a wall of noise or like a big wave washing over you but then like having those kind of verses to kind of like you're kind of like reeling or hopefully still reeling from the kind of like intensity of the chorus and like i mean my favorite part of it entirely is like i think it's on the, the second chorus drops and it comes in like a beat late or a beat early and it just feel like do when when I did that it was fully like okay like this is fun because it was just fully like trying to like body slam you into like this different world and yeah I mean it was like also a really fun experience just like sonically to try and kind of like play with like black metal aesthetics without just fully like pulling out guitars and like fully pulling out all this stuff and like trying to see what like what actually makes that sound like that in like a different kind of like sonic language type of thing yeah i know it was it was so fun they was but it was definitely when we kind of had those very stark contrast that it felt like the song came alive like i think you need the grounding of the verses to kind of contextualize the intensity of the of the chorus yeah speaking of the black metal aesthetics i know from following you on on your re regular on your main instagram Sarah, i know you've been like experimenting with your death metal scream for a little while can you talk about like what went into practicing your technique and uh any vocalists you drew in for inspiration from because i think you you nailed that yeah i mean i it's something that the screams i always wanted to try and i think like the first time i got the opportunities to do that was when we recorded only acting i remember like gus kind of locked me in a room with a mic and he was like go oh, crazy and then that's, I guess that was the first time I actually screamed. And then like through touring, I was doing it like every night on stage. And then I kind of like got the, the technique of not killing my voice, <laughs> but still managing to like scream. And then, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it's something I really wanted to like do more of. So when Hell is Here came along, I was like, yeah, more screams. I grew up kind of listening to like, like Melt Banana or Linkin Park like I remember listening to like Chester Bennington like do his like insane like vocals and I guess that's the first time I, I experienced like that kind of singing and uh, yeah now I can just turn it on really quickly which is kind of funny. <laughs> 
Do you have any tips for aspiring singers you might want to dabble in in black metal screaming? I think like the hardest thing is doing it. I think like switching from like just suddenly screaming is like a really like unnatural thing unless you're like really emotional or like kind of like practicing like switching to that scream and like not fearing it and kind of letting go. I think that's like the hardest thing to do if you're getting it getting into it like the first time. Yeah. I think just go for it and yeah. It'll all be fine. <laughs> I think like the, maybe the easiest way, maybe it's a bit reductive, but to split this record up would be into three parts with Touch the Sun and Hurt Me representing Act One, and then Hell is Here sort of Act Two and Labyrinth and See You Again are the final act. Using that framework, it seems like the first part sort of represents the flight up to the sun, or again, if, if we were to look at it in Paradise Lost terms, um, like Eden. Um, and then Hell is Here is like Falling to the Sea. And then sort of the final two songs are like that period after the fall, like learning to like live in a world post all that. You think that's like a fair way of looking at it? No, definitely. That's like interesting you picked up on that. I definitely feel like this EP is like, it's like a journey. It's like, I wanted to sound like it's like a story. I wanted to kind of like sing about like all aspects of the Icarus story. And it's like my attempt of rewriting the the kind of interpretation of the story Icarus. Because I think like people... The common interpretation is like a cautionary tale, but I wanted to like more like celebrate the courage of Icarus. But I didn't want it to be like, oh, it's all gonna be fine and everything's gonna be fine. We're not gonna die. I wanted to be like, yeah, you might like fail and have success as well. And like all of that is something to be celebrated about. So like you said, like Touch the Sun is about like that kind of like almost like childish feeling of like being feeling invincible like you can like do anything and it'll be fine but then there's like songs like like hell is here it's about failure and like hell like feeling like like when when things are not going uh, how you planned and then like songs like see you again is about like i wanted to kind of like play on like how people like use Icarus as like well he died he flew too close to the sun and he died and that's a really bad thing but I wanted to be like well yeah he died but like his story he's he's immortalized through story like people still talking about the story so I kind of wanted to be like well yeah it's it's the end but is it the end kind of like yeah I think as well with like just we we'll see you again specifically it was really fun like to draw out that kind of like folky passing down like folk canon type of thing towards the end especially like having like this campfire like round energy and like bringing it back to that storytelling of like being part of like a wider narrative of the kind of like myth but also of like yeah the whole story that we're trying to say yeah i was gonna save talking about see you again for later but since we're here now i'm curious and making a song called see you again to close out the album you're already sort of you're fighting from behind because there's already a very good See You Again by Mr. Wiz Khalifa and uh, <laughs> Charlie Puth from the from, from the Fast and Furious franchise. Are you guys uh, fans of the franchise? Um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen a few I feel like I just films, got body but... slammed by that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never actually listened like, to the track. You're just going to throw that in and that's so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my gotcha question right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, How can we compete? Seriously, like it all comes back to... Uh, 
Charlie Puth. The, the other interesting thing about that song, the first, you know, the intro to it uh, in Japanese, is that from like a specific version of the Icarus story? Because I know you, you you've talked about like how you like you first learned it from like a songbook in school. Is that from that, or is it something like a poem you wrote based on that? Yeah, the whole EP is definitely inspired by that song. I wanted to kind of like write kind of like my take on it after like many years of after kind of listening to that song and being inspired by it and it's kind of like my take on it i wanted to do it in japanese because i quite like it when i don't know i wanted to sound like like mysterious and like quite like you can't really like put your finger around like what it could be but like i don't know i kind of wanted to add a mystery to it as well and i think like japanese is quite it sounds really like pretty or poetic i can't think of a word but it sounds like very like mysterious there's like so many words you can use for like one thing so it's kind of like really fun to use when you're writing like a poem so i kind of wanted to yeah like use japanese for that was the original song that that you learned the story of Icarus from was that in japanese or is that in a british school yeah it's a it's a japanese school i i actually recently found it on youtube it sounds really old I was like almost like it was like a hit of nostalgia I was like whoa I actually found it on YouTube um and it's crazy how much I remembered the lyrics I could like still sing along to it but yeah that I, I was like yeah in Japan and I think I was around like seven or something when I first encountered it at school I think the, the one interview I've read from this cycle is the one you did with Rolling Stone when Hell is Here came out. And you've, you've you already talked about this a little bit here, but you said you wrote that song sort of like in, in the depths of like the first real period of like anxiety and depression that you've had. And that making this album sort of was a way of writing through that, you know, without going into any more detail than you feel comfortable with. Can you talk about like the headspace that you're in and like how you pushed through that to turn it into something constructive? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's like exactly how Hellas here sounded like at that time. It was really like looking back at it, back at it, it's, it really was like, I guess like when you go through like anxiety or depression, it's like you're, it's like a wave, like you feel like hell some days and like you feel like you're like fine and it some days and it's kind of like this thing, it's like a wave and you feel like so like not in control of your life. I think like for the first time in my life, I, I didn't find joy in creating. So it's kind of like when I started this project, I wanted to create something from those moments to kind of like push myself and like to kind of find that joy again in like creation. And I think like the Icarus story, it's like a philosophy of life I always try to live up to, but I feel like that moment is like, like that period in my life is like, I forgot, forgot about it. So I kind of wanted to like dive into that and kind of remind myself um, of those moments by writing an EP about that. But I also didn't want the EP to be like just about this dark period that I, 
I wanted to kind of like write the the Icarus theme and not not kind of dwell too much into that kind of like pull myself out of it almost yeah and Jenny I know obviously you've worked with a lot of different artists and done like a lot of different sorts of remixes but like from what I've heard like your, your primary mode is sort of more intense and noisy um I'm wondering how you approach like the rest of the album Hell is Here is obviously a, a very noisy track but like I'd say pretty much the both sides of it on the other sides are like pretty lush harmonically and have a lot of like soft longer passages so how did you approach like writing lusher quieter more harmonic music here yeah it's tricky because it's i think when you're releasing music under your own name and which i which I, I do it it kind of like becomes like super personal as well and like the noisiest stuff and like is like super dear to me and definitely is like where my base is but there's there's like a lot of other stuff that was happening as well and so like to be able to like work with Sarah and like really like push the boat out and also have Sarah like truly like trusts kind of wherever I wanted to take it sonically was like really rewarding and it wasn't it wasn't like oh boy here comes the happy song I better really pull out like those kind of like writings on those moments were like so fun and easy yeah and I think it was just that experiment of of play really it's just like always like playing with texture and playing with extremity or playing with like song structure and especially kind of having that like space with time and with the release to like really experiment with other people and getting to like bring in friends to record like bits of cello and stuff and I mean like really I think the main thing that makes the piece on the way it does is that we recorded it all in like my box room home studio which I think really lends the kind of vibe to it, and especially like where Sarah was, especially like relating to the last question, like we were both like feeling pretty whatever. So like being in like a relatively safe environment where you can like experiment and that isn't tied to like paying studio fees. You can just like rock up one day and be like, let's try this like crazy vocal move. I mean, like uh, I was going to bring up earlier, but like all of the screaming for like, Hell is Here was redubbed in one day on the hottest day of the year with Sarah like under a duvet and that does lead to like a certain intensity of performance like Sarah like didn't complain once and then comes out of this duvet like absolutely drenched and that's that's metal by the way um but yeah and I think it's like that's what gives it the sound of and and also the ability to kind of like constantly refine and constantly dive in like because all the songs are like super dense i think that's it basically it's just time and like playing around and like i think there is an intensity in the others and it's the same production techniques to a degree sorry and it isn't similar to like remixing in the same way of like drawing on what you think the other person wants and finding that balance and it was like super collaborative in that way yeah I want to talk a little bit about like the visual side of the record. Sarah, I know that you are pretty serious about costume work and about makeup work. You got to do some pretty cool things here. Can you tell me about the process of like creating like a new look for around this whole release and like 
It's also, especially if you're making the wings to the, the Touch the Sun and Hellasier videos. Yeah, I mean, it's been really fun. Like, I think the whole world building thing is something I really enjoy doing. Like, I almost like sometimes think like I write music so I can kind of delve into this world world building. It's like, I feel like it's the visual side of things super important to me. Like with the wings as well, it would have been much easier to just like get like these like angel feather pretty wings and then call it a day. But I really wanted to, the wings to be like, I, I collaborated with my mom to make, um, I think there was like three wings in total we made for this project. Um, and I was kind of like wanting to make like these wings that kind of look human made. There were like the, uh, the Hellas here wings is made out of like pampas grass, which was like, uh, my mom's neighbor kindly donated to us. She was about to cut it, and my mom was like, "Don't cut those. We need them." And, like, <laughs> um, and then, like the touch the sun uh, was made out of these sticks, uh, these like branches that fell from the tree again from the garden. And I kind of wanted to like make like wings that like maybe Icarus would have won, like something like kind of human made and and quite like DIY looking, like looks like you can't use it to fly. <laughs> um, and yeah, like even with the um, like the music video side of stuff as well, like we worked with this amazing director, Josh Homer, and we kind of like built it, built the world together. And like, like the first video we shot, Hell is Here, like I was really inspired by how claustrophobic like artists' studios look, like especially like like studios like Francis Bacon's art studio and there's something kind of really scary about it and um, I think my personal art studio kind of resembles that in a way so I kind of wanted to recreate like uh, an art studio fill it up with like all the paintings and sketches I've been like holding on to for like years um, it's all like like kind of like my personal work and um, kind of like keeping it really DIY, like keeping it very like personal to me. I was looking through like the, the Cryolite Instagram this morning and I saw that you posted like a, a clip from, from Labyrinth from the David Bowie movie. Is there a connection between the song and the movie? And like, will we get some visuals? related to that oh yeah that that's so funny you picked that picked up on that I was watching that film when I was like writing the song um yeah and it's kind of like a classic um <laughs> I was like trying to like when, when I was writing Labyrinth I wanted to kind of narrate that feeling of like being trapped in like somewhere but then you still kind of like have hope about like escaping a hope of a better place and then kind of going from there and yeah that yeah I was watching that film it's a it's a great film <laughs> oh and the main character's called Sarah as well which is quite scary <laughs> I guess back to like the, the the first part of the album, um, like in the context, I guess we were talking about with like the three acts, maybe the first two tracks like sort of feel like retrospective, like you're looking back, like maybe like on a more innocent time in your life and career. Do you think of that early part of your career as like sort of like flying close to the sun? Uh, mm, I don't really 
think of it like that. Um, it's just like this project is like the Icarus thing. I always wanted to like do something about it. It's kind of like my personal obsession. And the Cryolock project just seemed like a perfect time to kind of explore that. And um, yeah, I think I'm still flying towards the sun. <laughs> Hasn't stopped yet. And yeah, it's kind of like great to think back now how... Like, yeah, like this project wouldn't happen if I didn't go through those like dark moments. But now it's like linked to something positive. So kind of like my master plan has worked. <laughs> so it's quite like, yeah, it's kind of something very positive for me now. So I guess I did come out of hell and now, yeah, on to the next. Yeah. <laughs> that was Sarah Midori Perry and Jennifer Walton talking to the faders Raphael Helfand. Cryolot's new EP, Icarus, is out tomorrow, September 2nd, via AWOL. The Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfand. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey, for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. If you like listening to The Fader, good news. We're now on the new live radio app, Amp. Download it from the App Store now. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.